as parents, we all want our kids to get a great education. And one part of this, we think, is doing really, really, really well on standardized tests. And sometimes we want to give them a little edge, especially if we think that they have a learning problem or some, something that's going to set them back. And today, we're going to talk about what would qualify your child to get extra time in the classroom and on tests. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bresson. And I'm Ellen Broughton. And let's start with what's new. What's new, what, what, what's new Ellen? What, what's, what's new this week for you? Well, so it was a long weekend, a holiday weekend, and I went to Disney World. Wow. And it was very fun. I haven't been there in like, no, I don't know, 15 years or so. And I went as an adult with adults. And it was a very different experience. <laughs> than taking little kids. Than taking little kids. There are lots of fun places to go that aren't appropriate for children there. So it was, it was, a, it was a fun weekend. Yeah, it was it crowded? It was very crowded. And there's a new Star Wars area there. If you're like a Star Wars fan, oh, I'm sure. it's, it's like the new, it's called Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. And you have, we had to get there at like six in the morning to get a spot to be able to sign up and then come back. It was a very complicated process, but it was very cool. It was like being in the movie. As much as I, you know, tend to avoid amusement parks, even though my grandchildren, you know, love to go to them, um, what I've been impressed about with Disney, and I'm not a huge fan, I must say, is crowd control. I mean, they are, they kind of know how to do it, even when they're large crowds. Did you find it? Fairly accommodating? I did, but I would say more from the standpoint of they know how to entertain people. So uh. even when you're waiting in line, you're sort of entertained. There's also, <laughs> in fact, it's almost, I was only there for like three days and that was sort of enough because there's so much sensory yeah. overload. Like even, you know, you could go to watch a kind of 3D movie and there's s- smells that come along with the movie. Like you, it, nothing is ever just one sense at a time. Did, did you have a magical day? How I, often did you hear that? A lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. So um, we are, for the sake of the audience, we are staying away from the news uh, because as we speak, there's all kinds of very upsetting things happening. However, and I will do my best, I actually saw a wonderful film uh, on cable TV uh, on Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. She has been, I mean, she's an icon, and this was wonderful. I mean, not only did it show what a wonderful performer she was, I mean, the commentators were amazing. It was like Jackson Brown and Dolly Parton and Emmylou Harris and all these wonderful people, you know, from, from my days of growing up. Um, and, you know, we're, I guess, contemporaries. Um, but what was impressive about it was not only is she like an incredible singer, but she, you know, started in the 
folk rock movement with the stone ponies and and was a rock and roll singer and but then she did standards with Nelson Riddle and then she did Latino music, Mexican music, because her dad yeah. was a was a was a was used to sing Mexican folk songs, and she just crossed as she did the Pirates of Penzance, like Gil- Gilbert That's and Sullivan. Right. So right. I mean, late opera. It was it's yeah. amazing to see what great talent can do. So I'm i I'll make a plug for that film. Oh, I've heard <laughs> great things about it. It's on my list of things to see, and and you love singing. I love singing, and I just heard that it's just like a great like historical chronology of sort of music of of our time and right. even beyond really right so, from the 60s yeah. yeah on yeah it's really wonderful yeah um so the topic for today um what we want to talk about and i'm you know it's amazing to have you as 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 our co-director but you're also a real expert in in this particular area and that is parents often will ask for extra time for their kids in school and particularly taking standardized tests. And I guess let's just start. You know, what what qualifies for actually getting extra time? Like what kids really need the extra time to actually level the playing field? So let's go way back to when extra time first started. And the idea of extra time is not really to have all the time you need to answer the questions but to give you the same amount of time that everyone else had. So the only group of uh, disability that really truly qualifies and that has been empirically validated that it helps to have extra time are kids with dyslexia. And so dyslexia is a difficulty that you have with phonological processing, being able to read fluently. So Mm -hmm. first you have trouble like just being able to sound out the words, but as we are into... Uh, the ages of kids who are taking standardized tests, we're usually talking about kids who have trouble reading quickly enough. So, they're, so if they're slow readers, they can't. Slow readers. They, they, they have. They need the extra time to actually be equal to the other kids who can read at a normal pace. Exactly. So if you're really trying to gauge whether or not somebody can answer the questions, you know, you want to know can they answer these questions correctly. Mm-hmm. You want to give them enough time to at least be able to read every one of the questions. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, if you're not able to do that then you you really deserve the same amount you deserve the same chance to answer the same amount of questions that a typical child without a learning disability would have and you can diagnose dyslexia by your neuropsychological testing exactly the only way to really diagnose dyslexia is with a big evaluation a neuropsychological evaluation sometimes it might be called a psychoeducational evaluation but it includes multiple tests of cognition and learning and academic achievement Mm -hmm. now that being said there is another subset of kids who can benefit from extra time on tests and those are other kids with specific learning disabilities so there are three kinds of specific learning disabilities one is in reading like we were saying um, sometimes called dyslexia Another is in written expression, sometimes we call it dysgraphia, and also a disability in math, dyscalculia. And the same sorts of things apply. Like if you can't read all of the questions in math in order to be able to respond to all of the questions, um, if your math fluency skills are very slow, then you might qualify for extended time. It sort of depends on your level of disability, and it's a little bit 
less clear about the other disabilities. But generally, we can argue for that. So, so, so just to, for me to just dumb it down for myself, one is slow reading. Right. One is um, uh, slow writing. Or right, writing, right. Out, writing the answers. Right, exactly. And one is slow calculating in your head. Exactly. And the, the emphasis is on slow. So it's, it really, the, the idea isn't that you have an extra leg up on the competition, because if you don't know the answer in 30 minutes, but you've read all the questions and you only are able to answer 50% of the questions, but you've read them all, having extra time is not going to give you the right answer to those other questions. So, so it's really slow of the three R's. Exactly. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Exactly. With an <laughs> emphasis sort of on reading because that's been yeah. very well documented. Yeah. The other ones are a little bit less clear because oftentimes if you're poor at math fluency, you're also poor at math calculation. I see. And so extra time doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to get the right answer because that might be difficult anyway. Yeah. Okay, so now that being said, you know, in my clinical work, um, oftentimes um, kids will come in with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and uh, let's look at two yes. the two two of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. And 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 too many times they'll say, look, their attention is so out of whack, and they just need some extra time. What about? ADHD. So that really, ADHD alone does not qualify you for extended time. Sometimes kids can get it. Sometimes the college board will allow it if there's enough data in their neuropsychological test report that shows what's called a functional impairment in one of those areas we are talking about. And functional impairment means that you can't function, that gets, like it has a real impairment in real life situations. And what is really important for the college boards is not just that you have bad scores on certain tests on a neuropsych eval. If you can pull it together at school and you don't get extra time all through the school year, you don't need extra time on a standardized test but some, is what but, it says. But sometimes uh, parents, caregivers will ask for extra time in, 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 for taking it's, tests in, in school yes. uh, for, for ADHD. So is that... Out of line? It, it, it's not out of line, although the research does not support that kids with ADHD who have extended time will do better. So they can focus enough in that exam setting or in a classroom setting that they yes. can actually do the work in, in the same time frame that other kids yes. can. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that kids with ADHD have trouble paying attention. So giving them more time where they have to pay attention doesn't necessarily buy them better scores. But, but what happens if they're on stimulants? It should help them focus better. So they that if, if they're on stimulants, it, that might work that might work against asking for extra time because they're able to focus. Uh, it's it's quick, possible, but but again, um, the College Board doesn't usually give extra time for just ADHD because uh, they're looking at the data. They're looking at when we give kids with ADHD a test with normal time with extra time. Does that does their score increase mm -hmm. because they haven't had time to do the other? And, and that it, doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. If you don't know the right answer, again, if you've read the question, you don't know the right answer with five minutes. You're not going to know the right answer in ten minutes. All right, let me give you another one. How about slow processing? Now you wrote the book on this. Slow processing speed. Kids that can't keep up. Right. That was that's your book, right? Right. <laughs> so, so if that if it's only that alone. And there's no functional impairment, meaning we can't find that there's a disability in reading, math, and written expression. 
then it's not enough to get extended time on standardized tests. So in other words, if they can read, write, and do arithmetic at the same pace as other kids, but they just take longer to process it, but they can crank out their answers exactly in, in the right time, even if it takes them a lot more energy or effort to get it out. Exactly. It, it, it's, it's the function of getting it out in, yes. the, in, in the right time. And there are a couple of exceptions to that. So if I can, a lot of times the evaluator has to, when we know we have a child with slower processing speed, and that might include kids with ADHD. So the group of kids with ADHD, and my research was so about 60% of kids with ADHD will have slow processing speed. If we can make a case that that problems with attention and processing has an effect on their reading ability. They might not even have, they might not have dyslexia, but their reading might be so slow because of these I issues see. that again, they don't have a chance to actually read all the questions. But the key thing is that you have to test them, whether they have ADHD or slow processing speed Absolutely. or whatever, Yes. how quickly can yes. they read, write, and do calculations. Yes. And despite their, uh, challenges, their their deficits. Yes. If they can do it in a reasonable amount of time, they don't qualify. That's right. It, that's exactly right. And it makes sense. It's not it's not fair. Right. I mean if you can do it in the in the same amount of yeah. time that anybody else, you're not eligible for extra time. You don't you don't need it. And I find that that in today's current climate that almost every parent feels like their child would benefit from extra time on tests and that's that's not the case. Well, sometimes, I mean, uh, let me use myself as an example. I am the worst test taker. We're going to, because I want to get to what we can actually do to help kids that are not good test takers mm -hmm. for various reasons. I'm a terrible test taker. I've always failed at standardized tests because I overthink. If I had more time, I would get worse scores. Exactly. Because I tend to think of every possible Yes. answer. And usually that's the wrong approach. That's exactly the right. <laughs> and that's something that parents don't think of, that kids with kids oftentimes with extra time will do poorer than they will do when they have a standard amount of time. Yeah. When I've talked to really great test takers, like I I've have, you know, residents who like would blow the SATs and right. MCATs right. out of the, out of the, out of the sky. And I said, well, what do you do? Cause I I'm horrible. And they said, I try to think about what they want me to answer. That's exactly And if right. I can yes. figure out what they're looking for, then I can do it really efficiently. And what I tend to do is I tend to think about, okay, what makes the most sense in all of my experience and knowledge or whatever? And that's, that, that's so a that's bad idea. So that's one of idea. the things that you're right that makes a good test taker is that sometimes they don't even need to know the actual subject matter, but they can read a question. It's like, well, what sounds like the right kind of answer here? Mm -hmm. And that easy questions usually have simpler answers and harder questions have more difficult looking answers. And so there are ways around this. I mean, it's it, in some ways, it's pretty ridiculous that we have kids take these kinds mm -hmm. of tests to begin with. And, and, and time is never a particularly good measure of how deeply someone thinks. So if, you know, if I had my druthers, I don't, I wouldn't have any of these kinds of tests that had a time limit on them. So, you, so one solution is to just make the, make it an unlimited amount of time. Yes, for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. And then, you know, it would, it would equalize it might, the playing field. It would, although it might it cause might. <laughs> other problems. Like you're saying, give it unlimited time. It's like some people might say, well, I'm, I'm, I do 
worse on it because I I start to overthink it and I Or what if you, you know, have what if you have poor executive functioning? If you don't know how to prioritize or order things if you're if you're rambling around and answering one question and going down and skipping questions. So can so that be a problem too? It can be a problem and those sorts of things again are not helped necessarily by extra time unless there's like we were saying some kind yeah. of functional impairment. But but it can be helped a lot by having different sorts of study skills that are given by different test companies that will teach you how to be a better test taker um, and to know yourself. Like, I don't know if you're better, if you'd be better now at taking tests by knowing that about yourself than you would be. But, but I but, doubt it. But knowing some of that is, and, and knowing the kinds of questions you're going to be yeah. asked. <clears throat> And what kind of responses are appropriate for different sorts of questions? But let me ask you something else. So there are lots of other things that can cause problems with test taking, like anxiety. Yes, yes. What would you recommend for um, parents and teachers to help kids? Since we have, we're stuck with these standardized tests, which I personally don't think measure much of anything, Um the way other tests will do, like essays, for example, or right. You know. Even essays, though. I mean, they're they're. I, I don't know. I they, they, that can be that's standardized too. Yeah. And it's a short so. period of time, and they're measured on like different criteria, not creativity, and not really thinking skills, but how they fit a rubric. So we so, actually need a different testing system to figure yeah, out. Or use it as, as a small measure. I mean, I think it is, it does correlate with vocabulary. Vocabulary That's is very true. important in college. And so we, we tend to think, well, these aren't important. They are, they kind of are. The mm -hmm. better vocabulary you have, the better you're going to be in general yeah. in your classes. So it gives a, a rough estimate of that. That's, but I think, you know, it, in general, I would say parents need to chill about this. And it's the kind of thing where I know it's important, but if you've got to work that hard to get your kid uh, scoring better on these tests, then they're probably not meant to go to the sort of school that these tests would indicate. I've seen many kids over the years spend two years taking these tests six, eight, ten times, get into a school that's probably a notch too difficult for okay. them. So that's, and they fail. So that's that's one thing that parents can do. What can parents, teachers, and uh, others do, given the fact that we're we're stuck with these tests right now? Mm -hmm. Are there things that can be done to help kids navigate these waters and actually get some things done? Um, I would say. Uh, I mean, get them done well enough. Yeah, I mean, one of the things to do is to to learn to just manage your anxiety better, and there are lots of ways to do that through, during a test, before a test. Um, you want to be prepared as much as you can. You want to know what the test will be like, but I would also say you don't want to be over-prepared. I, I think that there's a diminishing return after taking these tests too many times. I also think that making sure that... Um, uh, sort of picking whether or not the ACT or the SAT is better for a, a student, I think that's better to sort of focus on one or the other. You also want to make sure they're getting enough sleep the night mm -hmm. before the test. I've heard disastrous stories where there were sleepovers or so-and-so had a big party. It's like, yeah, that was a bad choice. Um, and then also just be aware of how you're approaching the test. You want to make sure you're approaching the test with a confident attitude. You want to make sure that you're sort of 
not over catastrophizing things when the test isn't going the way you thought that that it would go. You want to kind of think about all the things maybe that could go wrong, but not think about them too much. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think that 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 practicing. Um, in areas where you're weak can help, but I think overdoing it is certainly, um, uh, you know, wasted wasted time. Um, yeah, and I think there are definitely techniques that kids can use to learn to do better on these. And, and that's where working with a, and in some ways I hate to recommend this because it's kind of unfair, but working with a coach who can help you with some of these test-taking strategies, in, in reality, it's really not fair because it's only kids who can afford to do that who are doing that. But it does help. And the kinds of things that they will teach you is how to uh, approach a question if there's an essay question, how to first organize your thoughts, write a quick outline, keep to a certain, again, a certain sort of rubric. Um, also doing things like, depending on the test, doing the easy questions first, answering the ones you know how to answer, leaving the harder ones for later, those sorts of things. And then there are some tests where Answering every question is not appropriate and other tests where it is. And knowing the test itself can help. So, you know, we have a blog on test-taking anxiety on the Clay Center site. Yes. Which has a lot of some of these points summarized. Yes. Maybe it would be – would it be useful if we could kind of come up with a, a blog that talks about strategies that, that say, kids could do? I mean, does, does the coach have to be a professional coach or could it be somebody like, you know, uh, you know – a senior student or a, or a graduate student or, or, or is this, is this well, only for a professional? I, I, I'll be honest with you. These, the professionals know the test inside and out. They know the kinds of changes that are made to the test. Like they know what this year's test is like versus last year. It's really not. And that's, what's really unfair. If we're talking about the SATs and the ACTs, it's not just sort of it's somewhat general test-taking strategies that we were just talking about. Well, you can take, but a you lot can take of it, practice tests, you right? You can take practice tests, but a lot of what you're getting from one of those companies is that they know the test inside out. So when there are changes to the ACT, they know those in advance. They're able to teach toward the test itself. They know exactly the kinds of vocabulary words, you know, the 100 yeah. most common vocabulary words. Now, there are things that you can do. There are... Um, apps. There are books that you can, back in the day when I was taking the GREs, for example, you get a big fat book and you'd start to study with it. There are still materials like that that kids can access and even get from their library. But what you're going to get from a test-taking center is pretty individualized and um, and it, it makes a difference, but it, again, it's not an earth-shattering difference, but yeah. you know, it makes somewhat of a difference. But you know, I mean, it, 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 there is not a sense of fairness here. I mean, there is, and and let's let's be let's be realistic. I mean, it it costs a lot to get neuropsych testing. Yes. Sometimes it's not covered by insurance. It costs a lot to take these uh, prep test uh, courses. Um, so it really is another example of of disparities. In, Absolutely. In our society. Yes. And in our educational system, in which the kids that come from means have the advantage um, over the ones that are that are disadvantaged. So we. It's it's we, very we really correct. need to think about yes. how to bring in assistance for um, kids that don't have the means to be able yes. to pay for these and the families that don't have the means to pay for these things and maybe bring them into schools and fund them in some creative way so that that the that the playing field can be leveled because yes. this is a matter of money 
it, it is. And the other thing, though, is too, is too, there are lots of schools now that are not requiring these tests. And sometimes parents will say to me, well, if she doesn't do better on this, I guess we'll just have to apply to schools that don't take them. That's not something bad. Like That, that might be a sign of a really good school. Yeah. So it's really not the name brand schools. It's, it's what you do with your education. It it's is. So, you know, I'm one of those kids who, like, first gen first person in my family to go to college. Nobody even thought I grew up in Wisconsin. Nobody even thought about applying anywhere other than a University of Wisconsin school. It just wasn't even considered. And so uh, our culture has changed a lot, and not just here on the East Coast, but all over, to sort of think that there's a, a certain kind of school that a student needs to go to. But kids get great education at many different uh, places, and we need to stop thinking that there's only one path. Yeah. I'm a big fan of gap years. I'm a big fan of taking some time off. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of going out and working. I mean, there are lots of, there's a lot of yeah. ways to educate yourself so that you can function optimally in the world, um, and it's not necessarily going to Harvard. Right. And I think, you know, the big picture about all of this is, is embedded in what you said, and that is that we have put too much emphasis on this, not just colleges, but we as, as a culture, as parents, have started to think that this is important, as opposed to what do you want to learn and where, where is a good place to learn and, and um, you know, how do we make this a good experience for you for college or not college. So I think this this whole idea about this test, it, it's sort of a, a touch point for a lot of other issues that have uh, that are, are not necessarily good for kids and lead to these anxious kids who feel like they need extra time on tests. So is there anything else that you'd like to, to, to advise parents before we um, say what we got out of the news this week. Yeah, no, I, I, I would rather talk ending. about this than the news any day. But I, I would say that, you know, to the best of your ability, just sort of let it go and let go of the name brand of the college, let go of the, you know, like just it chill, chill. Yeah. Which is, I know it's hard to do. Hard. And you, it's hard to be the first parent on the block to say, you know what? My son, Billy, he's going to take a year off, figure out what he wants to do instead of applying to college. Yeah. It, it, that's really hard in a lot of, you know, towns across the country. So, so um, as we wind down, what in the news struck you this week? That's all right. Oh, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> that's not very fair at all. I, uh, besides, besides, besides the impeachment. Okay, let's let's rule. Let's 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 say that we're not going to talk about politics. I would say though, just in general, yeah, it's 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 disappointing to see how inflexible people are these days. And in in our politicians, we just have a lot of inflexibility that's very frustrating. And what do you mean by inflexibility? Uh, nothing will change their mind. Even evidence won't change anybody. And I'm not I'm not going either yeah. side. But that in general, when people form opinions these days, yeah. they're not um, ready to, to make changes to them. And I would also add to that that we have to kind of relearn how to have um, good, informed, thoughtful conversations with each other. Regardless of what we what we think or believe or wish, I mean, we got to talk with each other and not 
at each other. Yeah, and I think that would be, I know that we've talked about this, you've talked about this on other podcasts, but yeah. that might be a really good thing to talk about is how do you talk to people who don't have the same beliefs as you at a time when beliefs aren't tending to change very much? Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And if you have any thoughts or comments about um, uh, about extra time or about uh, neuropsychological problems or learning problems with your kids, just let us, Ellen is a specialist and she's here. So just let us know. I'm Jean Bresson. I'm Ellen Broughton.